Welcome to the Jesuit Schools Network Ignatian Inquiry Podcast and our ninth episode of the 2022-2023 school year. The JSN seeks to be a supportive resource to our member schools, and this podcast is designed to be just that, a carved out space to listen, learn, and engage with issues that matter to our collective work as Ignatian educators. We're eager to encourage a spirit of inquiry across the many layers of our work in Jesuit education. We envision our particular brand of Ignatian inquiry to be the art of inquiry as seen through our Ignatian lens, asking questions and exploring issues that matter in our schools through the frame of our shared Jesuit mission. On today's episode, we'll explore the experiences of the founding principal of one of the newest nativity-like model schools in the JSN, the Welsh Academy at St. Ignatius High School. In conversation with Dr. Mary Ann Vogel, we will learn from her firsthand experience about crafting the unique culture at the Welsh Academy, about how the dedicated faculty creates a community where her young students grow and thrive, and how secondary school educators can be ready to welcome her students into their settings in the future. With a lens of leadership, we will learn from her efforts of building and nurturing the evolution of the Welsh Academy in Cleveland. This conversation encourages school settings across the JSN to listen carefully to our Nativity colleagues who so skillfully tend to the needs of the students in their care each and every day. Dr. Mary Ann Vogel is the founding principal of the Welsh Academy at St. Ignatius High School and is responsible for the day-to-day operations of creating a school community that lives fully to its mission while being financially sustainable. In her role, she is also part of the senior leadership team of St. Ignatius High School. Before becoming principal, she was the implementation director of the Welsh Academy, working with key personnel to plan and execute the process for opening the middle school in August of 2019. Before joining St. Ignatius High School, Dr. Vogel was the chief educator of the intergenerational schools, founding principal of St. Martin de Porres High School, teacher and school administrator with the Cleveland Municipal School District, and a consultant for organizations with a particular interest in educational equity. She earned her undergraduate degree at Miami University, her master's degree at Cleveland State University, and a doctorate in the mid-career doctoral program at the University of Pennsylvania Graduate School of Education. She also studied at the Harvard School of Education and Northwestern University Kellogg School of Nonprofit Management. Dr. Kristen Ross Kelly, JSN's Director of Inquiry and New Ventures, joins us for this conversation on such an important topic. Dr. Vogel and Dr. Cully, welcome to the podcast. How is everyone doing today? Doing really well, Kristen. Thanks for asking. Glad to be here. Thank you, Kristen and Marianne. I'm so happy to see you. Thank you for saying yes to this. Oh my gosh, Kristen. Thank you again. I'm unbelievably humbled to be part of this conversation and uh, looking forward to talking with you a little bit about Nativity Schools and startups. You know, I love, I can hear a little bit of the busyness of a school uh, behind you, which is terrific and probably very much a fitting setting for the conversation that we hope to have. So, so you made it to May, right? How, how is everything going right now? Oh, that's a great question. So we have made it to May where, you know, this is the thousand days of May that everyone is talking about where 
excited to watch the eighth graders graduate, which will happen um, on the 25th of May. So excited about that. Excited to bring in our new class. And we're still looking for some new uh, for our students for that new class. And just, you know, this is that time of transition when you're getting ready to say goodbye to the year that was but you're still an active building for the year that will be. And so we have quite a few boxes that we still need to work on as we prepare for 23-24. But uh, I think we're doing well. And in fe- it feels like in so many ways, like we were just back in the fall and you were just kicking off. You know, I can remember checking in with you and seeing you back at one at our uh, principals gathering in Winnipeg and the year was just getting started. So here we are. So we're excited to to learn this morning from your experiences and to um, to get to to learn and explore a bit about the Welsh Academy at Saint Ignatius High School in Cleveland. So tell us about it. Tell us about the Welsh Academy. How do you how do you explain? Uh, where do I begin? Where do I begin to talk about the Welsh Academy at Saint Ignatius High School? So, on a very just at the beginning, we are a four year old school. So we opened in 2019 just before COVID happened. So go figure who want, you know, who, who would start a school before a worldwide pandemic? No one knowingly, but here we did it on our own. Uh, and we are graduating, preparing to graduate our second group of eighth graders. So it is a school that has been a long time in the making. Uh, if we think about the Welsh Academy, I think we actually are a great reminder of why Jesuit education happened. So St. Ignatius High School opened in 1886, uh, St. Ignatius College. And it opened up for the boys who uh, of the families, the immigrant families living in this Ohio City neighborhood. So uh, Ohio City is just on the west side of the city of Cleveland. And then you can fast forward 130 plus years. And here we are at the Welsh Academy opening up a school for children of modest economic means coming from the city of Cleveland and first tier suburbs. Again, connecting to what gospel calls us to do, which is to bring everyone to the Eucharistic table. So whether it was 1886 or somewhere along the line in between, um, the high school created a summer enrichment program many years ago, over 50 years ago, to help prepare boys for, for high school. The Arupe Partnership Program that helps uh, here in the neighborhood, a Reaching Majas program that is a Saturday program that uh, used to help boys prepare for all different kinds of high schools and now really intentionally preparing for St. Ignatius High School. And now here's the Welsh Academy. Father Welsh, who we're named after, had the idea for the Welsh Academy back in the 1990s. There is a binder of everything ready to go, a feasibility study original board members, how the the school was going to be paid for. It was going to be called the Archbishop Oscar Romero Academy. And it was going to be for kids in the neighborhood at that time. It was going to be a co-ed school. But just at that time, right? Like, again, if you think about the mustard seed, those parables, the ground wasn't fertile. So it it never really went beyond just this idea of the Oscar Romero Academy. But it also never left the strategic plan, the idea for uh, an academy. And so when Father Giao became the president in 2015, he began a feasibility study for the school. And uh, a a young scholastic at the time, who's going to be ordained just in a few weeks, uh, Dan Dixon, led that feasibility study. And um, it was determined that we should go ahead and begin an implementation phase to start this middle school. And so all of the planning, all of the planning created the idea that St. Ignatius was now going to be a six through 12 school. The academy was going to be located here on campus. We were going to do admissions a little differently. We were going to, you know, we were looking for a very different boy 
as the majority than maybe was happening at the high school. Uh, so who are our kids? Our kids are boys from the city of Cleveland and first tier suburbs. Majority of our boys come from public district and public charter schools. We really try not to um, bring in guys from local Catholic schools unless a principal says this boy should really be there. Our modest economic means means that our family's income, for example, for this year, the average income for our families of a family of four is about $39,000. Um, we have 59 boys in the school right now, and we can grow to 75. So we'll always be a small school, but we won't necessarily have small classes. So many nativity schools have class sizes of about, you know, between 15 and 18, maybe a little bit smaller. Um, but we we're going with a, the class size of 25. And then we created a curriculum in a in a in a length of day that does things a, a little bit differently. So because we're part of the high school, we do work on the high school schedule. So we we run a seven period, seven day cascading schedule with four class periods a day. So uh, that's our core part of our academic curriculum, three days a week, Monday, Tuesdays and Thursdays. Uh, we are here until five o'clock where we run an affinities program and then a, we call it ACT, but it's a really, if you think about it, it's an end of the day kind of study hall, take a breath before you head home kind of thing. On Wednesdays, we leave at, uh, the boys leave at two o'clock. Some stay for an after program with uh, the Arupe program here from the high school. And we have our professional learning on that day as a team. And then on Fridays, we leave at 3.30. The affinity program is pretty wild. It's a, it's a program where both our faculty members and staff, high school faculty members and staff members and outside providers open up a world of learning to our boys that is different than maybe what, you know, you're learning in the classroom. So imagine putting your math and science skills and your stick with itness skills into MotoGo, where you learn how to put a motorcycle together or stir a studio kitchen where you work with a, an Ignatius alum who started his own business, but you learn how to cook. Or you go to Spicefield Kitchen Farms, which is a farm down in the Cuyahoga Valley, in a national park, where you learn about farm-to-table food growth. Or you learn about rugby or ultimate frisbee, or you build a Quidditch court, uh, or you learn about Dungeons and Dragons. And, and so throughout the course of the year, every boy might have the opportunity to learn about 12 other sessions of life um, that take them outside of themselves. So they've learned how to swim, bike ride, rock climb, build podcasts, become creative writers, learn cursive writing, learn how to knit, the home care things that you need, how to tie a tie, make a good blueberry pancake, make some homemade frosting, those kind of things like that. Right. Um, yeah, so a button on. So things like that. I know that was a really, really long answer. So the Welsh Academy is a school. And the, the part that I didn't even touch on yet is the idea of cura personalis. We bring it to life. Our idea is not having the Welsh Academy and then having a cura program. It's the idea of uh, creating the Welsh Academy as an environment in which cura personalis for middle school boys is fundamentally how we, it's the air we breathe. How do you talk to guys? How do you work with boys? How do you build relationships with their families? How do we talk about emotions? How do we 
learn how to self-regulate ourselves. Uh, everything gets put into these ideas of how to be at our best at emotionally, spiritually, physically, academically. And so that's what we're trying to do from a real fundamental and a basic level of, of our pedagogy. That's our pedagogical framework. And then we build from there. My goodness. And talk about the air you breathe. I mean, as I listen to you, I think about how it's just a remarkable story of everything that we love about Jesuit education, about being so deeply centered in the mission, you know, to think about there was a binder from the 1990s that had this idea. And then here you are in 2023 doing it and living it with real kids, you know, in a school environment that is, is life-changing. I mean, it's, it's just remarkable to hear. And it's a, it's a joy to listen to. I know that you could, you know, go kind of go on and on about everything that's special um, and still probably feel like you're not capturing the real heart of the place because it is, you're, you're doing the work, you know, you're doing the work that, that so many of us are, are committed to. And thanks, Kristen. And, and you're right. I mean, we are doing the work. And so um, these two prayers, right, patient trust and a step along the way, those two prayers that we all know, we live in that tension of those two prayers every day. One, because of the, the boys with whom and the families with whom we're partnering. Right. And we know as a social justice cause and in the work we are doing, how important this work is. The guys and their families don't have a lot of minutes for us to get it right. But we also can't get it all right all at once either. And so the tension between getting a school up and running and having it look exactly the way we want to best meet the needs and support our guys is this tension. And we're we're not always hitting on all cylinders and we're not always getting it right. And COVID did play a major role in changing how we were going to do some things for a while and now restarting how we want to do some things. But I think, again, a step along the way, everything, every year, we're all going to learn a little bit more from this. Uh, as we all know, in schools, it is so hard to find time to take the time, make the time to reflect back and say, OK, what were the lessons learned from whatever just happened? Again, if we're thinking about the IPP, you know, getting the context of what we've just done and then using that context as we are deciding on decisions about the next part of the active work we're doing. And so I think that's always going to be part of the tension in these very first years of starting a school. And really right now, we're not even in startup mode anymore. Now we're in development of growth. How do we finesse this? How do we make this Cura idea really sing? How do we bring that into our physical education program? How do we help the transition into the high school um, for, for our guys that do go to the high school or some of the boys who matriculate into other high schools? These are all these big areas that we still have to work on. And for me and for a lot of our team, it's hard to say we don't have it all ready to go right now. But sure. if we waited for that to happen, we would never open. Well, in four years, I mean, I know when you're in it and, you know, it's like the saying with young children, the 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 days are long, but the years are short. You know, mm -hmm. when you're in it, those four years seem much longer, but it's the infancy. It's the yeah. it's really you 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 are just beginning. And to have the unique lens of that experience of, you know, you know, to to use your words as startup within the context of long and tradition rich 
school, like St. Ignatius, within the context of Jesuit education, which, you know, I mean, uh, all of it, it just builds on it. It's such a unique perspective. And you probably, if you do ever get a chance to breathe, which I hope you do over the summer, you know, after all of this and and your team, but to think about and to take a step back and to think, my goodness, I mean, it's, it is a a truly impressive amount of work that's gotten you to this point. I'm really interested in Marianne, like knowing you and having known you for so long. I'm interested in hearing about your experiences as a leader, as a founding principal of a school. You know, what, what does that look like? What does, what does being a founding principal feel like, you know, opening a, opening a school with, I know with the team, you know, with, with everyone um, kind of in full effort, but opening it from the ground up, what, what are, what do you look back? What do you think you'll look back and, and feel like, um, has been most impactful to you? Has been the lessons you have learned? Yeah, so that's a, a great question. And, you know, Kristen, I'm lucky because this is the second founding team I get to be part of, you know, so being part of this founding team and being part of the founding team of St. Martin de Porres High School here in Cleveland, the Cristo Race High School here, and to have been founding principal for both of them is you know, a blessing that not many people are offered. And so I'm really lucky to have been part of that. And one of the things that I would say, uh, one of my lessons learned is in both places has been really important. What are our guiding principles? Creating your guiding principles. What do you stand for? Really your belief statements. What, what do those look like? How do you, can you articulate them? How do they become active in your real work? So I would say for, you know, for us and our guiding principles, that get distilled down to four words, which is, you know, encounter, care, deeper teaching and deeper learning. How do those four words branch off into everything we do, into our hiring, into our admissions conferences, conversations that we have with our families? And that's what they're called, admissions conversations. How does those four words resonate in any of the communications that go out, whether it is about admissions or advancement or just an email that I am sending to the parents for, you know, via Parent Square? How do we make sure that those themes are also then part of our curriculum? So they're part of our pedagogical framework, but then how do they become part of the curriculum? To me, the amount of time we spent on building those guiding principles at the very beginning helped us drive the next part of of the work that we're doing. And so that number one, that was really important. Number two for us was hiring brilliant people in the first year. We were lucky. And I think this is because we were, we are part of this larger apostolate of St. Ignatius High School. And because I think nativity schools have learned and and I've learned through the work we did at St. Martin, you hire people who are experts in what they do. And, you know, I'm not an expert in middle school education. There are other people who do that. Our founding team were experts in middle school. You know, if I can shout out Kim Brandt and Mike Murphy and Dan Dixon and De'Aire Cody and Deshaun Adair and Maggie Pena and myself, that seven, along with Father Giao as as our president, I mean, they helped to form what the curriculum was going to look like. They helped to form in a first year when there's much of what we did in the first year we no longer do. Like we had a 530 dismissal time every day in that first year. 
talk about killer for everyone, right? So you learn some things. And so how can you be flexible? How can you hire people who are open to flexibility? Because people come into schools thinking they they understand schools. They've gone to school. They know there's a lot of a structure to it. But when you're starting something new, that structure is going to change. And if you're trying to create a whole new environment of a school, then it's going to look really different. Um, some things I've learned um, probably this year and last year more than ever is how do I get out of the way? Right. So I have this in, internal tension of I know how hard the team is working because they're in front of kids all day long. And, you know, they're they cover classes for one another and they're doing multiple jobs and the day is a little bit longer and all these different things. So how do so I would try to say, like, well, I can do this and I can do this and I can do this. Well, I can do all of that. But then I'm, I become a log jam. Right. Like I'm stopping the progress from going forward. So how do you just let Good ideas. We've set the stage. We've set the foundation as a team, as a group. Now, just let that next that team move forward with that work so we can get ready also for the, the bigger picture planning for for the school to take it to the next level. And that's been really, really hard for me, right, to just, you know, kind of let go and let God, not because of anything in the in the personal world, but just I don't want folks to be over overburdened more than they should be. So in my effort to not overburden them, well, I well, might be overburdening them. So so don't overburden them. So that's definitely something I've learned. Really proud that of that original seven, five members of that team are still with us, which is really, really strong. And if you consider that one is a young Jesuit needing to move forward with formation to have that many folks stay from the original team, I think is something that of which I'm really extremely proud our retention with students is also very, very good. So I know we're creating a really good structure here. Now the idea is how do we make firm much of what we do so it won't get lost over time? You know, the, the idea of the mission and the purpose and the reason why that has to hold true as different methodologies might come in and out. Sure, sure. I hope that well, helps. Oh, no, it does. And as I listen to you, it is... You know, it's inspiring what a creative endeavor it is. I think sometimes when you would think about building a school, building a community, building culture, you know, uh, forming culture from the Mm -hmm. ground up, um, you might forget about that. You might forget about the creativity that's involved in the spirit of learning as you go and being open in that way. And again, it's interesting to hear that from the lens of of someone who has worked in schools that have been around for hundreds of years, you know, it's, it's a whole different, a whole different game. Yeah. Um, for lack of a better way of saying it, but I hear through your reflections, these ideas of purpose. And so those four words that you said, um, encounter and care, deeper teaching, deep, deeper learning, and then also the flexibility to figure out how best to get to that purpose. You know, it's it's interesting to hear. And I know, you know, so many of our listeners will think about some of the other schools around the JSN at Brophy, at Creighton, the REACH program in New York, the Inez program at Loyola School, you know, some of these uh, amazing programs who are trying to do the work that you're doing as well. So it's, you just, you really offer a very unique view again to the the most mission-centered work that that we could hope to capture. What does the relationship look like with St. Ignatius? Like on a day-to-day, on a on a really particular practical educator day-to-day basis, what does it look like? 
the Walsh Academy is part of St. Ignatius High School. We are part of the campus. Uh, we are part of the everyday life. Again, I think COVID had something to do with this. And so coming out of COVID and now rebuilding some some programs that I think were working well or were about to work well, you know, we move forward. But to, to your to your question, if you think about St. Ignatius High School as an apostolate, right? And so we think about it, whether you want to think about it as like pieces of a puzzle or keys to, to the piano, a piano, the Walsh Academy is part of that, that piano keyboard, right? So we help play the music with the, with the high school. So our boys do have a building on campus. It's called Kasiki Hall. That's been newly remodeled. It's a 1863 church that has been totally rehabbed to be a, a, a modern, very modern classroom. Uh, uh, I don't even want to say it's a learning center. It's a center of learning. Let me put it that way. Right. So on the outside, it looks like a traditional brick church. And then you come inside and it is a much different kind of building where it was created for collaborative learning spaces for boys to be able to morph quickly from one part of the building to another as needed for teachers to be able to to do team teaching and for project-based learning to happen. So that part is cool. So we're on the western edge of campus, but that being said, we share teachers with the high school. So there are three teachers that are shared that work part-time between the high school and the middle school. We have three of our eighth graders this year and three last year that participated in a ninth grade algebra class. We'll continue to expand that eighth grade to ninth grade, that kind of coursework that can happen when a Walsh eighth grader can take classes in his eighth grade year. Our guys eat lunch in the dining hall. They 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 use all of the campus facilities. We also uh, have high schoolers that come and help with tutoring. They help as mentors. They help run an affinity program. Uh, there's a junior who for the last oh, year and a half or so has been our academic challenge affinity coach. So he leads that group. And so um, we, we hope for all of these things to expand so that our guys can see themselves on the Ignatius campus. So that part happens. And, and we used to have a real intentional Big Brothers program with our sixth graders and high schooler, the high school seniors. COVID kind of hurt that. And so we're, we will rebuild that into both, whether it's either a companions program or a, a, a Welsh Big Brothers program. But we're also finding ways for these things to happen organically. Our guys have recess out on Wasmer Field, the, the practice football field. Well, that's where the high school guys have their intramurals. They're often playing together. Our teachers share uh, in faith formation with the high school teachers. Our teachers, we share professional learning opportunities with the high school teachers, whether we're invited. We are always, for school-wide events, we're always together. So we're always at a, at a school-wide mass. The Walsh Academy attends all the school-wide masses of the high school. So I want to say like, we are one entity. And some of the boys who attend the academy will have a seven-year experience at St. Ignatius High School. Some boys will have a three-year experience at the Welsh Academy, but will continue to have a lifelong experience as Welsh Academy alumni. And if they are not at the high school, it is most likely because needs just won't necessarily be met and we want to get the best fit high school for them. And then we will continue to work with the boy and his family once they might leave. I mean, no matter where they are, but we continue that relationship. So really this sense of 
of connection to the broader school, the broader campus. I, I like the way you say the ability to see themselves, you know, that's, I mean, that's so important in so much of our work with kids, right. But that ability to see themselves, you also have a, a unique sense, you know, I think about you work with the younger students and kids always want to go to a place where they feel valued uh, where they feel wanted, where they feel welcomed, connected, everything that you just described, both to their current school and to their future school. And yeah. you have a unique perspective. So, you know, from what you've learned leading at Welsh Academy, how do secondary schools do this? How do they welcome and value and help younger kids into their communities feel like they belong? What would you yeah. say for our listeners out there that that are in the secondary school setting? Um, what what is most important? So I think uh, the most important is get to know your freshmen before they even step foot on campus. And so I I know that seems maybe it's it sounds so so fundamental, but there are lots of times when we are asked questions about, um, and I'm sure this happens at all of the nativity schools. Uh, whether it is a nativity-like school that is on a high school campus or ones that are standalones but are feeders to other schools, to high schools, you know, the question is, how do we help your boys transition to the high school, to our high school? And that question has been asked of us here. And my response is always, how do we help transition every ninth grader to St. Ignatius High School? And so there are some things that we have seen that will make it better for all the guys at the high school, you know, if, especially if it is maybe a, a multilingual family or a family that is first time going into a private school, especially depending on maybe the family's economic circumstances. It, it is a life changing experience. And so I think that's number one. Number two is you are exactly correct. How do we build relationships? How do you make a large school feel small, right? Is it is it having an advisory? Is it having some community time within grade levels? Is it houses? Is it, I think it is building that relationship. Is it time that the boys have with a certain person for the four years that they're at the high school? Is it the boy being able to um, review his report card with his parent and a teacher where they're having that conversation together. Um, I know a lot of high, a lot of Jesuit schools will have that freshman family conference. They'll have a junior family conference and then they'll have the exit uh, survey or they'll have an exit conference. Those are really important. We run a student-led conference of the boys' progress report. So each time they receive their report card, we call them progress reports, in person, the boy is there at the meeting with the, the boy, the advisor, and the family member. And then the second semester, the boy is leading that conversation. He's talking about what his goals were for the year. He's talking about how he built his academic habits or didn't. He's talking about the goals he met or did not and the whys behind it and where he sees he needs to um, impart more work, more effort, more preparation. That's huge. Right. So how do we help our parents be partners? We've created a family book club called Families in the Middle. Maybe other schools do it, do this as well. The books we've read have been 
challenging for our, for us and for our families um, because it's you know the first book was called Decoding Boys, uh, the second book uh, was well the second book was really a book for parents to uh, understand what is happening in their boys' lives, um, and then the third book was uh, the Permission to Feel, the book we're reading the all of this year. That opened up a lot of moments for our parents where they were vulnerable to to us as the staff. And when that moment happens, you know, there's a new connection because they've allowed us into their life in a little different way than they have other schools. And Kristen, for for many of our families, the promise of school that people have made that education will get you to whatever, to whatever line, you know, this promise of education. If you do everything you're supposed to do in school, you are guaranteed X, a good job or this or that, whatever that is, that doesn't always get fulfilled. Because sometimes, because the good education part doesn't actually happen. So many of our families have been burned by education. So we have to build this trust again. So how do high schools build trust? How do we open up communication where it really does feel like parents as, you know, as partners? And I know in a lot of our schools, there are a lot of different relationships happening with the, all the various adults and lots of different things happening all at once. And so I am will never claim to be the expert in, in that world of how you navigate all the different things that are happening, especially when you have 1,500 kids or 2,000 kids or 900 kids. It's much different when you have 59. You really get to know a kid. But how do we always think about building a relationship with the boys? So are they in a program? Are they in an after school activity with the same adult where that they have a trusted relationship with that adult or with the counselor or with a teacher or with an advisor? Just how do we make a big school feel smaller for that guy? So he's never feeling alone again in a, in a small school setting that you get to start from scratch. That, that's a much different way of going about it. But I do think the intentionality of making a large school feel small is something that is so unique to the nativity model, nativity-like model schools. And and also the mindfulness of, like when you said, a student's first experience going to a private school. You know, that sounds so simple. It's not simple. <laughs> there is so many layers involved to that. And again, you're, the mindfulness of teasing them out as part of the student experience. You know, I think this year, maybe more than ever, I've heard about from so many different angles, you know, crafting communities that are based on connection, based on belonging, of course, with the uh, everything with the student mental health crisis that has been kind of on everyone's minds this year. I think that makes makes a lot of sense, but, but you, it's just ingrained in what you do and it might be in a small school setting, but it's the act of, of doing that. That is, is again, it's motivating and it's inspiring. And I think even the largest of settings can learn from that. And it's one of the reasons why I'm interested in picking your brains about, you know, so a student coming from a setting like that, where they have felt so supported and so much a part of the place, how do we mirror that and how do we try to recreate that in a, a potentially larger secondary school setting? I think that's really a challenge for, for everyone listening. Um, Kristen, just if I could really quickly. So the other day I was talking to our sixth graders and I was just asking them, hey, how does it feel now? You're almost done with this first year of school. How is this different? And the majority of guys came from their public a public school. 
and remember many years ago, I worked in a public school. I was a public school administrator, uh, an assistant principal, again, in the high schools. So I know what high schools can look I, lo- I know what a public school can look like, a public high school. The boys were telling some stories, and I know this, right? I know what this can look like. But I had to take a step back to just really take in the magnitude of the ask we just had of the guys to change their whole world order in such one big fell swoop. They very much know that they are in a private school, in a Catholic school, because they feel it every day, in a school that is asking them as warm demanders to give us your best and we will respect you through it um, in a way that they haven't felt before, you know, and that comes across in lots of ways, healthy food, a clean building, a building that is kept well, you know, all these different things that for multiples of purposes and not placing any blame that doesn't always happen in their other places. And um, to see that be part of what we do and that they can feel that they're in a new spot is pretty amazing. So I totally agree with what you're saying. Like we cannot take for granted the stuff we just don't know. And so we have to just keep talking to them and and their families. Well, and you're also, you know, you're also seeking to welcome the adults, the faculty into your communities that can do all of that. I mean, that is, again, it's a, it's a, it's a large ask of everyone involved for all the very best of reasons, but it's, it's, it's motivating to hear about the work that you do day in and day out. The other thing with that, Marianne, that I think about is, so you're doing all of that and you're balancing, you know, we've had a lot of conversations this year about academic rigor and the changing nature of academic rigor in our Jesuit schools. You're doing all of this. You're building trust. You're uh, helping parents become partners with the schools. You're making a large school feel small. And you're also, you know, doing math and science and writing and and teaching and learning and all of the, the good academic piece. And so I think that there's something really very special about the model of schools that uh, the academy is that that do both and that do both really well. You know what I I would agree. You know we talked about it earlier. This idea of bringing pure personalis to life and what does that look like and how do you help a boy whether he is in the sixth grade or the ninth grade learn that in learning you are going to make mistakes. Right. That is that is what learning is all about. So how do we help them feel safe to make an academic mistake so that they will be willing to take these risks down the road so that they can continue their growth? They only do that if they're going to feel safe. If they're just so worried about making the mistake, they are never going to take the risk. They're always going to follow the safe way. And that stunts their own learning. So how we try to help them into that, right, to get away from just pen and paper kind of learning where you're just writing down lists of what you think is the correct answer to becoming a critical thinker, being able to be a a peer reader of writing, to be able to do a a fishbowl conversation with your classmates when you're in the seventh grade is such important preparation for being an academic risk taker in high school. And I like to say, we aren't creating a school for those kids over there in that zip code. We are creating a school environment and a, and a pedagogical framework that anyone would want to send their kids to. It's just that our families 
don't have a lot of other options. And so it is exclusively for families who financially don't have other options. And so feel really proud of that, right? That we're creating something because we're part of a the St. Ignatius campus, because we're able to participate in a hundred and almost 40 years of a great history that people trust what we're going to do. And then we have to, we have to fulfill that part of the trust. And when we make mistakes, we have to say, we didn't, we didn't hit our mark and we apologize. Well, in so many ways, you're modeling that. I mean, you're modeling that whole spirit of learning, of experimentation. Talk about a grand experiment in Jesuit education. You're doing it, you know, and you have to believe that the kids see that. Yeah. And that, you know, so much of what you said at the start of our conversation about learning as you go and figuring things out, not everything is the same as it was. I mean, kids see all of this, whether we realize it or not. So so you and your colleagues and all of the faculty members that are behind this grand experiment. I mean, you're the you're the best teachers in that way for those those bigger yeah. ideals. Thank you. And, and you know, we're I'm grateful that we can learn off of from. 40 years of nativity school experience, right? We're not the first nativity school. So, and one of our teachers worked in a former nativity school. One of our other teachers was a middle school teacher. One of our other teachers was a, a, a counselor in another you know, school. So again, we're taking all this experience and saying, okay, what are the things that we've always wanted to try to do? And let's, let's make it happen in real time and then, um, and, and hope we can get there. You know, I think about your background, Marianne, and to know you, it, it's coming through everything that you're saying. You're such a person of faith and that you have said yes to the experience of being a founding principal twice. You know, it's it's so interesting. And I just think you have such terrific uh, insights to share that that so many of us listening can can mm-hmm. learn from. I am curious of the very simple question of what keeps you up in that. So like, what do you, what do you, what do you right now, you know, on this day, what are you most worried about? How much time do we still have? <laughs> I know. <laughs> no, I, a lot, actually a lot keeps me up at night. Right. So one is, is our team, right. The, 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 the team, because they work so hard. So making sure that we always read about all these pressures that are put on teachers in the classroom and and anyone who's working with students. So how do we make sure that I am creating a space where they can have time? And I would say that's an area that I need I need to improve upon. Right. If I'm being, again, an open learner myself, that's um, in my own little head of go, go, go. I need to remember to not. So again, so I worry about our team so that because they're so strong, we want them to stay healthy and be with us for as long as possible. Um, uh, How do we continue to build positive energy? How do we get to the next round of our school? How do we become a lab school where we can work with colleges and we can work with other individuals who will take us to the next level? How do we get this idea of cure personalis, right? This, the, the Welsh Academy is a center of cure personalis for middle school boys. How do we make sure that we're really doing it and not just talking about it? You mentioned academic rigor. How do we ensure that we are truly preparing our boys, you know, our young adolescents for life after us? Our job is to prepare them for high school. High school is to prepare them for life afterwards. So that because we are so small, when is enough enough, right? When do we need to not be a helicopter parent or a snowplow parent or all those one of the things you want to say about what parenting is, but on the educational side, because we're so little, right? So like allow the kids their critical fails in a safe place where they will learn. 
admissions. We're always going to be worried about admissions, getting, you know, this is such a great place, but it's a niche market we're looking for. So how do we get the word out about the work that we do? Uh, always worried about costs, right? Always worried about making sure that we can stay nimble on a, on a budget and making sure that we will grow and not just well, we do this because Marianne wants to do it this way, or we do this because this is how we've done for a couple of years, that we will make good educationally based, research based uh, decisions as we continue to move forward. And transitioning the boys, always it's this idea of transitioning the boys. How do we make sure that we can live up to the promise that we say to our parents when we invite each new sixth grade class? How do we make sure we uh, live up to that promise? Um, and not overpromise on things that we can't deliver. So you're not sleeping much at at night, Marianne. Is the, <laughs> <laughs> is the answer. But the, you know your, your your reflections right there. It's just so telling of everything that is on your plate and of the bandwidth required to yeah. to do the work that you're doing of yeah. uh, you and your your colleagues and the faculty there and everyone who's supporting the school. So again, it's just a reminder of this is all that goes into teaching and learning. Yeah. You know, there's so much. And to circle back to where you started, that you've done all of this through a pandemic. You know, these have been the among the craziest years of, of anyone's experience in schools. And here you are having created all of this. So mm-hmm. it's really a it's a joy to hear. Well, I'm I am lucky that, you know, and, and blessed right there's and humbled, right? All these different all this language that's around this. But all of it is really true that Father, you know, Father Giao did ask for me to become part of this founding team. It's an amazing and humbling experience to be able to to help set some of the foundation. But to know that beyond the first year and, and only maybe before was just a template, I have really never created one schedule for the school. That has all been on Kim Brandt, right? And so when we start to think about the different things, the SEL work that happens because of our team members, the way that we have built a tutoring program, that's all everyone. And it's it, it has nothing to do with me, right? There are 12 people who make this place happen. And I am really lucky to be part of this team and to have been part of a team that allows to set the stage, but to watch the things that are going on, our advisory program, how we work with executive functioning, how our affinities programs, those are all things that have the fingerprints of this really, really talented group of people all over them. And I think that is the beauty of of these nativity schools and of really of education when uh, we can allow not even allow when when we have to have all of our talents come forward to create something that's really special. Well, you're the change makers. You know, you're doing what so many of us, you know, we think back to when you first decided to be a teacher, whenever that was in your life, you know, really early on. You're you're doing the work that those younger versions of ourselves that we dreamed of, you know, it's really you're really the change makers. And then at the heart of all of that are these 59 boys. Right. You know, that you're, yeah that you're seeing grow and thrive and, and move on. So, so I have to really, I have to thank you for just taking the time and taking the space to pause here for a moment and share. We, I really could go on. Oh my on gosh. Now. You're so welcome. I'll, thank you. I'll restrain myself because there's so much more <sighs> that I would uh, you know, love to ask and love to know about, but I think it's telling of the conversation and the story that you're, that you're writing here. That we get to hear. I yeah. also 
just kind of conclude with, I mm-hmm. would be remiss if I didn't say that you and I have known one another for mm-hmm. years because we used to be classmates. That's you right. Know, you think about how uh, Marianne and I went to, uh, we uh, earned our doctorates together in an amazing doctoral program at the University of Pennsylvania, the mid-career program in educational yeah. leadership, which I, I think I speak for you. I know I speak for myself as saying it really was transformational and, and life-changing in every way. You know, but you think back to those uh, conversations that we had now, oh, it's, you know, ten, over 10 years or so, Marianne. Yeah. It is right. It is. Um, yeah. And and I would agree it was a transformational period of time. Those conversations, the group of people that were p- brought together in that cohort that are still friends and still colleagues is is amazing yeah. to me. Yeah. Yeah. And you just I look back on that. And again, so many years ago, you were at St. Martin de Porres in Cleveland going into mm-hmm. Philly. I was at Regis High School in New yeah. York City going to Philly. Uh, to our our time on, at on campus at Penn, and and here we are all these years later with our paths still connecting. So to me, it's one of the most beautiful parts of our of the gifts of our career in Jesuit education that that we do have have a chance to still remain connected after all these years in different ways. Amen to that. I would say these are God moments, right? This is this is really good. Mm-hmm. So thank you. Thank you again. Thank you for taking the time. I hear it, everything getting busier behind you and I'm sure you are, you are needed, but, um, but we, we thank you so much for sharing your insights. And I know that there's more to, of this conversation to come. So we'll look forward to doing a follow-up in a few years to hear how the next few years go. Thanks, Kristen. I hope I did all the Nativity School leaders well in this conversation because um, we come after many, many people who worked really hard for many years to make these schools, make our schools such important educational environments for so many children. Um, And so the Welsh Academy just follows in a really strong line and a lineage of of schools and an educational methodology. So I want to thank you. I hope I, I love this conversation. Thanks so much. And I and I hope that the listeners enjoy it as well. It's such a crucial part of the of the Jesuit Schools Network. So thank you, Marianne. Thank you, Kristen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Ignatian Inquiry podcast. Dr. Marianne Vogel's contact information can be found on JSN's website at www.jesuitschoolsnetwork.org slash Ignatian-inquiry-podcast. The Ignatian Inquiry podcast is hosted by Kristen Smith and Dr. Kristen Ross Cully. This episode was recorded, edited, and produced by Kristen Smith and directed by Dr. Kristen Ross Kelly. To learn more about the Jesuit Schools Network, please visit www.jesuitschoolsnetwork.org. Stay curious and set the world on fire.